0: Well, hey, good morning, New Life Fellowship. It's really good to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. If you're new, uh, welcome to church. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I do have the privilege of giving us God's word uh, this morning. Uh, Just a few announcements, though, before we dive in. I want to double down on a few things. First thing is, next week is our chartering service, which means that right now, technically, we are a ministry under another church, and so that church would like to plant us out as our own church, Uh, and so that celebration will be happening Happening next week, Sunday at this time slot. So don't come here. If this room is empty, uh, don't think the rapture has occurred. Okay, we're just on the other side. We're going to have shuttles that take us up there. Uh, so just you can park in the same place, but there will be shuttles that will take you up there. You can also uh, join us for a 930 service, uh, which we'll have in this building. Uh, and it'll be a completely different message. Uh, and uh, we'll continue in our series actually at the 930 a.m. service. Also, we have a year-end uh, division meeting that happens every year at this time, uh, and we'll be covering things like our finance. We'll be covering things like uh, new elder nominations uh, as well as uh, denominational stuff uh, and just looking ahead into the future. And so please do, uh, especially if you call this church your home, uh, this is uh, a place where you you, you call yourself, uh, this is your community, please make sure to come out to this meeting tonight at 5 p.m. It's on Zoom, okay? So you can join from anywhere. Uh, and then lastly, uh, in, on January 19th, 20. 23 we're going to be starting a class called alpha and uh this is a 10-week course uh and so if you're a christian here what this means for you is that this is an opportunity for you to reach out to your friends or your coworkers, or your neighbors, or your family members, and say, hey, um, you know, especially to the ones who are curious, hey, like, maybe I don't know too much about Christianity, and that's okay, uh, but here's a class that can teach you more, and so why don't you come with me? And so you've got to come with that, friend. Uh, you have to participate during those 10 weeks, uh, but we encourage you to utilize Alpha as an evangelistic tool, if you would. But for those of you in here who are skeptical, for those of you in here who have lots of doubts, uh, for those of you in here who don't call yourselves Christian, this class is for you. Uh, Come out, and what this is, is it's just a meal. We share in a meal together. We share lives together. Uh, We watch a a short 20-minute video, and then we have discussions about that video and about some of the things that uh, are talked about in that video. Uh, I lead the class myself, and so it will be a good time for us to kind of get to know each other as well. Um, uh, Also, uh, if you'd like to serve in Alpha, if you're a Christian and you'd like to serve, uh, especially if you find yourself... To be gifted in hospitality, you you're, you find yourself to be really really gifted in hosting and and striking up conversations. Uh, uh, please come and talk to me. I'd love to. i love for you have to join our team and we, we we'll we'll train you uh, sometime in January and and we'll get this class launched. All right. Well, we've been in an Advent series called Christmas Essentials. Uh, we're really talking about why uh, Christmas is real and in week one we talked about why there's evidence that god is real in week two we talked about why jesus is this god and why there's evidence for that and then today what i want to do is kind of ask this more emotional question if you would and which is this like how does jesus benefit my life like why why should i even follow this jesus like Like, does he do anything for me? Does he give me anything? Like, what? why should I follow him? And so I'd like to talk about that question this week. And the way we'll go about talking about it is by addressing John chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up there. If not, it'll be up here on the screens. At this time, if you're able, would you rise as we read God's word together? John chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 1 to 5, and then we'll skip over to verses 10 to 18. Uh, after the reading of god's word i'll say this is the word of the lord if you could respond with thanks be to god and then i'll pray and then i'll seat you after the reading truly truly i say to you he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way that man is a thief and a robber but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep to him the gatekeeper opens the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. Let's skip down to verse uh, 10 now. Let me pray for us and then I'll seat you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this word. Lord, for those of us who call ourselves Christians, would you bless us now to receive. For those of us who do not know you yet, we pray that you would open up our eyes to see, Lord, that you are indeed real and that you are the good shepherd. Lord, we ask that you would bless our times, give me the words to speak, and Lord, may this be all glorifying to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can go ahead and be seated all right if you're taking notes we do have three points the first point is called problems and religion Uh, the second point is called jesus and religion and then the last point is called jesus and the good shepherd if you're taking notes you can write those three things down uh, well let's dive into our first point um i i grew up in the church uh i as i mentioned last week uh, my mom was a christian my dad was not but you know i went to church my whole life and i grew up in this little suburban neighborhood um you know a uh, quiet neighborhood uh but i thought i was a gangster i don't know why i thought this but i thought i was so gangster um in fact uh, i don't know if we have these images but um we do not have the images i'm looking at the face oh we do okay so I used to wear uh clothes like this, okay? I I would wear these shorts called Menace jeans and they were super baggy. Uh I there's a little photo there of a Ben Davis shirt. I used to wear Ben Davis shirts. They were really baggy. Uh they they're meant for like um uh like blue-collared workers who like move things around. They're like uniform wear, but uh, I used to wear that and I used to wear a backward visor and I used to think I was so cool and gangster and like uh, and so I used to listen to hip hop and gangster rap and there was this band called Bone Thugs in Harmony, and I think I've talked about this before here, but, um, but I love that band. I love them so much. In fact, there was another uh, rapper named Warren G. I used to love Warren G. My mom, who's Korean, used to call him Oren G. Um, and, uh, and, and I used to love their song Regulators with Nate Dogg. Do you guys remember this stuff? Is it thrown back? Yeah. Oh, I see some of the gangsters in the room. Yeah, I remember. Um, One day, I remember uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony came out with a new CD, and I wanted to go get it, so I went to Tower Records with my mom. I showed her where the CD is. I hold it up to her, and you can see the CD there. That was a CD. And uh, you see in the little uh, left or is the right-hand corner, uh, there's a little sign there that says Parental Advisory Explicit. And my mom was like, Mm-mm, no, I'm not buying that for you. I was like in middle school so, uh, somewhere in, in that time. And my mom, I, I, I looked at my mom and I said, why, why? And I was such a brat. I was such a brat. I thought I was a gangster, but I was a brat. And I was just like screaming and yelling and like, why can't you buy this for me? And she, and, she, and she basically said something to this effect. She said, because you're a Christian. She said, Christians fill up their minds with good things, not evil things, like what they're rapping about. She's like, why is it that you can remember, memorize all these rap lyrics, but you can't remember Bible verses? And I was like, because I love rap music. I don't like the Bible, right? Uh, and, and, and But this was, is this was what she was telling me. And I remember on the drive home, you know, I was like kicking and screaming. But I remember thinking this, like, I, I hate being a Christian. I, I don't want to be a Christian like who would ever want to be a Christian? There's all these rules and you have to follow these rules and then these rules are like hard to follow and they make your life miserable. Like you can't do all the fun stuff. So I used to think, and I don't know if you've ever thought this way, but I used to think, you know what? Like, you know what would be the perfect life? If I could sin as much as humanly possible until I'm 85 and when I'm on my deathbed, then I repent and then I say, Jesus, forgive me. And so I get to live heaven on earth uh, by sinning as much as I like and then I get to live heaven in the afterlife. This was the perfect life for me. I never accomplished this because I thought, well, what if I die when i'm 40 or like you know 35 or like what if i die in a sudden car accident then i go to hell for all of eternity so i never went that route i was always a good boy but it was really because of fear i didn't want to go to hell really if you know for me and so i stuck it out but i don't know if you ever felt that way right like why why follow jesus he has all these rules he's all these regulations they seem to make my life miserable rather than freeing Uh, you know uh, secondly like maybe for some of you you think you know why why follow jesus he doesn't benefit me in any way like if i think about my non-christian friends if i think about people who don't really care about jesus like their lives are perfectly fine it's not like they need him daily they seem to be functioning okay why do i need jesus and then thirdly, and, and this is maybe um, uh, what, what you might be thinking as well, is, you know, isn't, isn't like Christianity, isn't religion like Buddhism and Hinduism and Muslim, isn't all, aren't all religions kind of a part of the problem? Right? Because of religions, there's all these wars, there's all this chaos, there's all this stuff happening around the world, and it's because of religions. And this is really well captured in a song called Imagine by John Lennon. Um, John Lennon was a member of the Beatles, but he wrote a song uh, when he went off on his own called Imagine. And listen to the first verse of of the song. It says this, imagine there's no heaven. It's It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. So in other words, imagine there's no religion. There's no, it's just skies, right? There's no, there's nothing down low. There's nothing up above. It's just sky and ground. That's it. No religion, okay? And listen to what he says here in the chorus. He says, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. So he's saying the perfect world would be one of peace. And this world of peace is brought about when there's no religion. Because religion is the cause of so much heartache, pain, war, uh, calamity. And to be fair to John Lennon, I actually agree with him. Uh, If you think about what he's imagining here, he's thinking about things like the Crusades where Christians actually killed hundreds if not thousands of Muslims in the name of Jesus Christ. He's probably thinking of things like the Inquisition. If you don't know what the Inquisitions are, it's, it's basically when Christians forced uh, people to believe in Jesus. You know, I mean, it spanned the different continents over centuries, but at some point they would force people to believe in Jesus or they would essentially kill them. Or if there was a heretic, somebody who was not uh, believing the right things, they would kill this person. In addition, it's not just Christianity, but if you look at all the religions, let's take them one by one. For example, Hinduism. Even in India, where they are open-minded, right, because they're a pantheistic religion, um, uh, Hindus persecute Muslims and Christians. This is a very well-known documented fact, especially in the northern parts of India um, uh, to, to, in these Hindu places, they have these things called anti-conversion laws in which you cannot convert to either uh, Islam or Christianity because to traditional Orthodox Hindus, uh, a monotheistic religion is an anathema. It's, it's heresy. It's, it's blasph- blasphemy. And so they have anti-conversion laws and they persecute Muslims and Christians in northern parts of India. If you want to learn more about it, it's actually here in this New York Times article. You can read more about uh, the, the persecution that Christians and Muslims face. Of course, in the Muslim world, it's very well documented, right? Uh, right now in Iran, uh, you know, most of you probably know about what's happening there with the human rights violations and uh, how this one Kurdish woman was beaten, arrested, and killed, uh, and, and which sparked all these protests in Iran. But on top of that, we've seen terrorist attacks by extremists. Uh, you know, we see persecution of Christians all over the Muslim world. And then even the Buddhists, right? The Buddhists are known for peace. And yet, again, another article in the New York Times, it's called, we are, Why Are We Surprised When Buddhists Are Violent? Uh, really details in depth about how Buddhists are violent all over the world. Uh, for example, in Sri Lanka, there's a, a sect of Buddhism that's the majority of Sri Lanka, and they actively persecute some of the Hindus that live there. The, 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 and the Hindus are the minority. Uh, In other parts of Buddhism, for example, in uh, Tibetan Buddhism, which is the sector that the Dalai Lama heads up, sort of, um, in his sector, the Dalai Lama, who's known for peace, their sector is known for actually going to other rival monasteries and burning these monasteries to the ground. And so when you look at all of this and more, I, I don't think I disagree with John Lennon very much, that religion has been a part of the problem. That religion has been the cause of chaos, war, destruction, violence, uh, a lot more. And in fact, Tim Keller, who's an author, pastor, and apologist, he says it like this in his book, Reason for God. He says, it is widely believed that one of the main barriers to world peace is religion. Exactly what John Lennon is saying. And especially the major traditional religions with their exclusive claims to superiority. It may surprise a Christian minister, I agree with this. Religion, generally speaking, tends to create a slippery slope in the heart. Each religion informs its own followers that they have the truth, and this naturally leads them to feel superior to those with differing beliefs. Also, religion tells its followers that they are saved and connected to God by devotedly performing that truth. This moves them to separate from those who are less devoted and pure in life. Therefore, it is easy for one religious group to stereotype and caricature other ones. Once this situation exists, it can easily spiral down into marginalization of others or even to active oppression, abuse, or violence against them. The icing on the cake is this, right? If you look at the church today, I mean, all of the scandals that are happening, all these pastoral scandals and people falling from grace, you see how the church is disunited because of political things. You see how the church is actually fighting, how the church is clicky, and we've been a poor witness to Jesus Christ. And so I look at all of this, and and I don't blame somebody like John Lennon for feeling that the way that they feel. And now I want to pause here for a moment because I am going to try to alleviate some of these tensions that I built just now. But before I alleviate some of the tensions, I want you to know that I'm not trying to excuse the church from our behavior. Especially if you're here today, you're not a Christian, or if you're watching this online, or you're listening to this via podcast. I don't want you to hear excuses coming from me. I want to pause and just say, I'm sorry. If you've ever been hurt by the church, if you've ever been hurt by Christians, I'm really, really sorry. I'm, I genuinely mean that from my heart. Christ would be appalled by the way the church acts today christ would be appalled by the abuses christ would be appalled by the oppression that comes out of the church christ would be appalled by these different things and i apologize if you've experienced this even if you're a christian in here maybe you walked away from the church for a while and part of it was because of the church i'm really sorry for everything that you've experienced i really am and some of you may be thinking eric you don't gotta apologize why why do you have the union you, you didn't do anything but 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 here's the thing church is my family Christians are my family they're my brothers and sisters in Christ and what they've done I've got to apologize for that if my son sins against somebody else's son then I've got to go and apologize to that mom and dad and the same way as an ambassador of Christ I I, I, I want to stand firm and say look I, I apologize this is not the way Christians should be acting now I'm going to try to resolve some of these tensions and show you why Jesus is still the best way I still want to do that but again I don't want you to hear excuses I don't want you to hear me saying, yeah, but but we do this or do that. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying the hurt is real. You should feel that hurt. But let me show you why Jesus is still the best way to live, why Jesus is the best uh, person to follow, why he is the good shepherd. And so this leads me to my second point, Jesus and religion. I'm going to start off this point with a quote from Keller again from the same book, The Reason for God. But listen to what he says here. He says it is common to say, and I'll parse this apart a little bit, so don't worry if it flies over your head. I'll try to really boil it down for you. But he says this, it is common to say that fundamentalism leads to violence. So kind of what we've been talking about, right? Fundamentalism leads to violence. Yet as we have seen, all of us have fundamental, unprovable faith commitments that we think are superior to those of others. The real question then is, uh, which is uh, is which fun- is which fundamentals will lead their behaviors to be, uh, be- their believers to be the most loving and receptive to those whom they differ? Which set of unavoidable exclusive beliefs will lead us to humble, peace loving behavior? if you guys remember last week i I talked about this and so if you didn't listen to last week's message i I encourage you to go back because you're going to think i glossed over all this evidence but what i tried to show last week just through logical deduction is that all religions in the world cannot be true even atheism and agnosticism are faith positions these are faith commitments they're they're not provable you know they're not provable things they are faith commitments just like all the other religions of the world are And yet there can only be one. And the reason why is because they all contradict each other. And so again, go back and listen to that. But what what Keller is saying is this. Look, if if we believe that there can only be one, the real question becomes which of the faith commitments lead to the most humble, peace-loving behaviors? In its purest, orthodox, traditional form, what leads to the most loving, uh, peaceful behaviors? In other words, let me put it still a little bit more different of a way. Everybody has a shepherd in this world everybody has a master. You have a master, right? Whether you're Christian or non-Christian, whatever it is, you have a master that you follow. That master could be yourself, right? Just like Invictus says at the end of that poem, right? He says, I am the captain of my soul, the master of my faith, right? Master of my fate. And so maybe you're the master of your fate. Maybe you're the master of your soul. Or, or maybe you're a Hindu and you believe this is your God or these are your gods or you're a, a Muslim and you believe Allah, right? Everybody has a God. Everybody has a master. Everybody has a shepherd. And so what Keller's asking is which shepherd, which deity, which God is the best? Which one is going to produce the most loving outcomes because everyone has one. And so this leads us to our passage for today. I want you to notice that Jesus identifies, it's sort of like a parable, right? Jesus identifies three characters here. He says that there's a thief and a robber, which are one character. There's the good shepherd, and then there's a hired man, okay? And we're going to talk about all of these three characters. But let's look at the thief for now, okay? Because I think the thief and the robber don't represent what we think it does. A lot of Christians, when they read this, they think thief and robber means Satan. It doesn't mean Satan, okay? Let's look here. Uh, uh, Actually, I don't know what verse this is, but it'll be up here on the screens for you, okay? truly truly i say to you he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way that man is a thief and a robber okay now i want you to hear what jesus is saying he has to tell the people what the thief looks like in other words he's saying look the thief kind of looks like me so you've got to discern what this thief actually who he is and so i'm going to tell you how to discern what he looks like because he kind of looks like me a little bit he kind of looks like the shepherd again look at verse 5 here he says a stranger they will not follow so he's talking about the thief and the robber again but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the strangers right so in other words he's saying again look the 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 the, this thief and this robber sort of looks like the shepherd so i'm telling you how to discern who the shepherd is and who is not the shepherd because the thief looks very much like the shepherd And yet, he says, the thief and the robber steal, they kill and destroy, but the good shepherd calls, invites, leads them to life and life abundant. And I think what Jesus here is pointing out, the thief and the robber is really this, thief and the robber is religion. And I'm going to talk about religion in a very specific way now. So I I don't want you to think that I'm talking about all religions, including Christianity. But I'm using religion in the sense that if you have to do X behaviors... In order to get the divine to do something for you, to bless you, to give you eternal life, or, right, to reach heaven itself, right, nirvana, uh, right? But every religion of the world essentially claims this. You have to do X behaviors, the law, you have to do the law in order for the God to love you, in order for the God to accept you, in order to get the blessings, in order to make it to heaven, you have to do these kinds of laws. And to this, Jesus says, it's like a thief and a robber. It steals, it kills, and destroys. And so I would think that even Jesus agreed that religions lead to killing stealing and destroying see right before this passage it's really interesting jesus is commenting on what just happened he just heals a blind man who's been blind for a very very long time and in in essence what happens is jesus heals on this thing called the sabbath and on the sabbath you're supposed to rest you're not supposed to do any work you're not supposed to heal you're not supposed to do any of these things you're just supposed to kind of stay still and do nothing all day and yet jesus heals this man on the sabbath and what the pharisees who are the religious leaders of the day and i'm again i'm using that purposefully they're the religious leaders of the day what they do is they hunt this man down and they basically curse him and they're like who, did, who healed you who did this what happened and they go to they confront you they're trying to get jesus right they're trying to confront him because they're like who healed on the sabbath you broke the laws but do you understand John the Apostle is trying to bring this out through his gospel. He's trying to say, look, do you understand that this guy was just healed and you guys care more about the law? Do you understand that Jesus just gave this guy sight? Can we celebrate for a moment? Or are you guys so locked up in your laws that you missed the point? Let, let me put it like this. There was a guy at one of my previous churches. He used to come every single Sunday to church hung over from the night before. He used to come in wearing big sunglasses. I still remember his name. His name is Alex. Alex used to come in, sunglasses, sit through service, sunglasses. And I was like, what is he doing? And then one day I saw him take off his sunglasses, lower it down, and then his eyes were bloodshot. And I understood why he was wearing sunglasses because he partied the night before. Been drinking, smoking, all sorts of things, staying up late, right? Comes to church the next day drunk, hungover. And people used to look at me and say, hey, why is he coming to church? Doesn't he know? You're not supposed to come to church hungover. Don't you know? But what people didn't know is that this guy had been away from the church for 15 years. He'd been hurt by the church. He walked away from the church. And finally, he found the community. And he found a a community where he felt like, man, I I can actually re-engage Christ again. And instead of celebrating, instead of saying, wow, look, you're coming back to church. Praise God. Hallelujah. This guy who was far is now close. This guy who is lost has now been found. The church was like, hey, why is he doing that? Judgmental because he didn't fulfill the laws required and this is what jesus is critiquing he's critiquing religion he says it kind of looks like the shepherd because look it yeah it produces some good outcomes it produces some good behaviors but it's not the shepherd i'm telling you it's coming in through a different way but jesus says this i am the good shepherd religions say you got to do x work in order to achieve this but i say i lay down my life for the sheep i lay down my life like i don't abandon my sheep i don't tell them to do a bunch of good works first i lay down my life for the sheep i lay down on my own accord on my own authority i take it back up again if i want to i do what i want to do but i lay down my life for my sheep i love them before they've done anything and the book of romans talks a, a lot about this that while we were yet sinners While we were not doing the right things, while we were still in our sins, in the wrath of God, Christ Jesus came and he laid down his life for us because he loves us. And he says, if you're looking for true love, if you're looking for true acceptance, he says, the other world religions cannot give you this. They demand obedience first and then you can get love. That's called conditional. That's not love. That's earning something. But true love, we know, is never earned. True love is given freely. And Christ says, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep sheep are not very smart they're weak they're dirty they're filthy they need somebody to come and to to lead them and he says look this is what christianity is christianity is saying i'm weak i'm powerless i'm not very smart but you know what you are the good shepherd i'm going to follow you because you love me you truly love me you're going to lay down your life for me and this humility and love leads us as christians to be more humble and peace peaceful and loving Let's, this leads us to our third and final point, Jesus and the good shepherd. I talked a little bit about the thief and the robber, but let's talk a little bit about this hired hand now. Who is this hired hand? And to be very, to be very short about this, let's just read verse 12, and then I'll talk a little bit about this. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and, and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. In fact, later on, He says this about the the hired hand in verse 13. This won't be up here on the screens for you, but he says in verse 13, he flees, the hired hand flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Here's what I think Jesus is talking about. Here's who I think the hired hand is. It's the whole world. It's the whole world. Everybody in the world. Every institution, every religion, everything, everybody, including yourself, everybody. It's the whole world. And now lean in carefully here because I'm going to explain some things and I'm going to be very, very pessimistic, but I need you to hear because I, I hope to present the contrast to Jesus and I want to really contrast who he is. See, in the ancient world, the hired man came at night and think about what happens at night. What happens to these wolves? What happens to the bears? What happens to all the ones that want to eat the sheep? They go to sleep they go to sleep. And so it's safe at night. The wolves are not out. They're not going to kill the sheep. So they sleep. And so usually the shepherd wants to go get some sleep. So he hires somebody because it's relatively safe at night for the sheep. And yet on rare occasions, the wolf gets hungry in the middle of the night. He wakes up. He starts prowling around. He comes. And what happens is most of the time, the hired man leaves. As soon as danger comes, he leaves. As soon as uh, it becomes inconvenient for him, he leaves. Why? Because he's paid. He doesn't want to risk his life. The sheep aren't his. He just gets a paycheck. He's like, I'm not not sticking around for this wolf. Bye-bye. See you later. And Jesus says the whole world is like this. The whole world is like this. Now, again, I'm going to get really dark and depressing here, okay? It's going to get very pessimistic, but I hope to show you hope, grace, and love in just a moment, okay? I want you to think about this truth. The world will abandon you when things get tough. Look, if you're older than five years old, you already know this. The world is not a nice, cuddly place. It's a doggy dog world. You think the company that you work for loves you and accepts you just for who you are? Fail the company. Lose them a million dollars and see if they still love you. I know that sounds, Eric, why you got to be so dark, bro? Like, because it's true. You think your coworkers will be there for you through thick and thin? Try sinning against them again and again and again. You think your friends got your back? hey I need a place to stay can I stay at your house oh yeah sure come on over five years later do you think they'll be like yeah come on stay at my house for five years they'll kick you out after month one because you've overstayed your welcome I know it's dark it's depressing it's pessimistic I told you it's going to get really dark here look in 2010 you guys remember this right Bruno Mars stunned the world with his release of this song Just The Way You Are you guys remember that. You guys know. I know you listen to Bruno Mars. Come on. Don't try to act like you're good Christians. <laughs> what do he say in this song? He says, when I see your face, there's not a thing that I would change. Because, girl, you're amazing just the way you are. And when you smile, the whole world stops and stares for a while. Because, girl, you're amazing just the way you are. We wish this song were true. I wish this song were true, but it's not true. Here's the reality. Will Bruno Mars love this woman when she's being stubborn and needy? Mm-mm. I, I see the, the guy's head shaking. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> Will he love her just the way she is when he finds out that she wants to parent this way and you want to parent this way and it starts to brew conflict and you're like, you're a result of your parents' poor parenting. That's why you want to parent this way. Will he love her if she talks smack about him behind his back and just says, that's the way I am. I talk about people behind their back. Will he love her when she cheats on him? She sleeps with somebody else and she says, just the way i am you gotta accept me no bruno Mars is gonna run for the hills here's what i'm getting at every organization every person every institution every religion every master every shepherd out there on planet earth they will be with you when things are comfortable when things are pleasant when there aren't any dangerous things around but as soon as things get inconvenient for them they will run for the hills as long as you do the right behaviors they will love you they will receive you now i know you're thinking holy smokes eric why you got to be so dark man but here's the reality you already know this this is why you hate failure this is why you do everything humanly possible to never fail to be perfect this is why parents you don't want your kids to fail because you know the world you know that if your kids fail the world will reject them you know it deep in your hearts you already know and look, I'm not saying this to discourage you f- to ever from trusting anybody ever again inside of your life, but I'm telling you this because you know this deep down inside. Look, even yourself, you know that you can't even trust yourself. If you knew what you know about yourself, about somebody else, you would actually push that person away and say, whoa, get, get away from me, bro. You don't even trust yourself. Look, and here's why I said listen to me until the end, okay? Because there is one person And this is what this passage is getting at. There is one person out there who does love you, who will receive you through thick and through thin, through anything, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he says, I am the good shepherd. Everybody will leave you and abandon you, but I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Try to overstay your welcome. My pleasure, come in. Try sinning against me a hundredfold. I will forgive you again and again and again. Try and cheat on me, which is what the book of Hosea is all about. About the people of Israel, the bride of Christ, sinning and sinning and cheating and going to other idols of the world. And he says, come back in. Come back in. I love you. Christ says, I will never abandon you. I will never leave you. There's nothing you could ever do to separate from my love. There's nothing on planet earth. The apostle Paul reiterates this in Romans chapter 8. He says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What? What on planet earth could separate us? shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword he says no in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us for i am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of god and christ jesus our lord Jesus I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to lay down my life for you. I will never abandon you. In fact, when things come your way to kill you and attack you and to steal from you, I will lay down my life. I am the good shepherd. Look, every master on planet earth will say, come follow me. Look, look, look. come do X behavior and then I'll love you. But do you know what this produces in us? This produces fear and insecurity. This produces pride in some of us. And do you know what pride and insecurity produce in people when it starts off that way? It produces people who are insecure, afraid, and prideful. This is why every religion on planet Earth can only produce prideful, fearful people, which is why religions produce violence. Because every religion says, obey this, and then this will happen to you. It's out of fear and pride that drive every other religion in the world. And if every other religion in the world is driven by fear or pride, it will de- develop people who are fearful and prideful. Because they say, look at what I've done. I've, I've done enough to, 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 to worthy myself of the divine. Or they'll say, did I do enough? Did I do enough yet? Huh? Am I perfect enough? Am I good enough yet? But yet Christianity, the good shepherd says, look, I, I love you. I love you no matter what. You run away. You cheat. You steal. You overstay your welcome. You're needy. You're boring. What? I love you. I'm going to lay down my life for you. And this is true love, friends. This is true love. And this is the kind of love that can burst forth in our lives into humble, peace-loving people who will love even the most difficult people around. See, this is why I can paint such a dark picture of the world because Christ's love, as we inhabit that love, allows us then to love this dark and cruel world. This love that we receive from Christ allows us to be light shining in the darkest of places because we have received the thing that every human wants, which is love, which is acceptance. And this produces joy and peace and hope that no, no one on planet earth has ever experienced. What will produce the most humble, loving, peaceful people? What truth claim? And I want to say Christianity is that Jesus Christ, following after him, will produce the most humble, loving, peaceful people on planet earth. I started off by talking about John Lennon's song, Imagine, which was a dream of his. And ironically, eight years before John Lennon wrote his song, there was another man who wrote something about his dreams. And his name was Martin Luther King Jr. And he wrote a dream that he had. And this dream was not fueled by atheism, but it was a dream fueled by Christ himself. I want you to listen to his dream. He says, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. And listen to this part. Look at how his dream is, 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 is really motivated by I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. He's talking about Isaiah 40, which is a fulfilled in Christmas when Jesus Christ came. He's saying Jesus Christ is going to produce this dream of peace, of peace, of love of unity of sacrifice where people of different colors of people of different diversity people of different backgrounds why because christians are the ones who can love anybody and everyone whether you differ in our beliefs whether you differ in your political agenda whatever you might be whatever whatever thing you believe christians can love anyone and everyone because we've received true love And although Christians have been a part of the problem, we have seen so much good come out of Christianity, friends. The civil rights movement, as I just mentioned, came out of Christianity. But I mentioned this last week, but there was a book written by a guy named Rodney Stark. He passed away just this July, and he worked at the University of Washington for 32 years as a sociology professor of comparative religion. He transferred over to Baylor University and did the rest of his work there. He he died at the ripe old age of 88, but when he wrote this book, he was not a Christian. But at the end of his life, he became a Christian, and partly it was because of his research. But he was interested in this question of how did a little, tiny, mustard seed religion become a humongous tree? Like, like I've, I've said this over and over again, but think about Christianity, right? Judaism was the smallest religion within Rome. And out of Judaism, there were different sectors within Judaism. Just like we have Presbyterians and Methodists, there were different sectors. There were the Zealots, there were the, uh, uh, the Pharisees, there were the Sadducees, there were all these different sectors. And one, the smallest sector within Judaism was Christianity. It was the smallest and yet this smallest religion became the worldwide religion it is today. And he charts why, and let me be very simple and plain about this. The, the summary is this, Christians offered life and life abundant. Christians lived so differently, so radically, so lovingly that people were attracted to it. They saw, oh my goodness, Jesus actually does benefit your life. Oh my goodness, look at the joy that you have. They, Christians, early Christians had joy in the face of incredible sorrow. Christians had love in the face of incredible hatred I mean people were killing Christians and they were blessing these people as they were martyred they they had peace in the midst of world ending chaos as the Roman government tried to unearth all of Christianity and they had hope in the midst of the darkest despair and he says this is the reason why people were drawn to Christianity this is why they were drawn to Christ and as I said before, if you're not a Christian, I'm so glad that you're here with us today. I really am. I'm so glad. If you're tuning online, I'm so glad that you're here with us today. The church may have hurt you. You may have looked and observed how Christians behave. And again, I'm very, very sorry. But here, look, I, again, I don't want you to hear an excuse, but try to think about it like this, okay? Any tool in the world can be used as a club. It, can it not? I'll give you an example, right? When I was a young kid, my older brother took an umbrella and he poked me in the eye with it and i had to go to the emergency room i'll tell you what that umbrella wasn't evil my brother was evil okay anybody can take christianity and club somebody over the head with it it doesn't make christianity bad it makes the person behind it bad and look if you did face this kind of evil from christians if you did face this kind of evil from the church i apologize once again But I want you to to take a look, not at the broken church, not at the broken bride of Christ. But I want you to look at the good shepherd right now. I want to turn your gaze and your attention towards him. And I want you to know this. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. But rather, he died in your place. Because think about this. I said this, right? The world is a dark place. And guess what? You've contributed to that dark place. You have. And come on, let's just be honest here for a second. You've contributed to it. And yet Jesus Christ, what he does is he dies in your place. You deserved punishment because of that. And Jesus says, look, I'm going to die in your place. There was a punishment that was required in order for there to be justice. And I'm going to take your place. I'm going to die in your place so that you can have a real relationship with the divine, with God himself. I want to invite you. I want to invite you to to pray and to receive this Christ. And if you want to do that today, just simply listen to the prayer that I'm going to pray and pray along with me if you've been doubting christ for a long time or if you've walked away from the church pray this prayer with me and just receive him today because here's the thing christ will never force you to love him we all know what that is right when you try to force somebody to love you it's called abuse any man or woman who tries to force another man or woman to love them that's called abuse and christ says i'm not going to abuse you i'm going to give you my life and you can take it or you can leave it you can receive it or you can leave it it's okay it's up to you And today I want to invite you to receive it. He's given it to you. He's given it to you freely. And all it takes is for you to say, I believe and I trust. As I mentioned, I'm going to pray a prayer. Just pray it along with me. But if you do receive Christ today, please come and see me. Please come and see me. Don't be shy. We'll have prayer teams on the left and the right. I'd love to pray for you. I'll be out there praying. But also, if you're just too shy, email us it's a great way we have technology praise God for technology just email us go to our website there's a lot of email addresses. just email anyone doesn't matter which one It'll, it'll get to me I promise you but let's go ahead and pray now why don't you all pray with me Lord Jesus I'm sorry for living my life apart from you I acknowledge you now as Lord and Savior and I endeavor to follow after you help me to experience your presence come Lord Jesus come help me to experience your love and your grace Lord Jesus for those of us in this place who are far from you would you come Lord and would you help us to recognize your love and your grace all over again Lord for those of us who are close to you Lord would you come again and help us to recognize your love and your grace again and within our bodies, Lord, would you produce within us, Lord, the most humble, peace-loving behaviors that the world will ever see or know because of the love that we've received from you. Holy Spirit, we, cast, we ask that you cast out any lie or deception that le- lives in any heart. Anybody who in here says that I'm worthless, I'm nothing, like I'm not loved, I'm not, Lord, would you cast that out today and would you replace it with your love and your hope and your peace and your joy? And Lord, would you cause us to worship you to adore you to give you all glory honor and praise today lord we thank you in jesus name we pray amen